was the night before Christmas, and all through the borough, the children were snuggled, their presents wrapped thorough. But this tale's not about presents, or Santa, or ponies. It's about three dudes, three bros, three ride-or-die homies. 14 years ago to this very night, I lost my parents. And you guys have been with me every single Christmas since then. But tonight, we have decided to end this tradition. Chris is just too fucking famous to hang out with us anymore. And Isaac's about to have a baby. Christmas. I have a present for you. We're going to the best Christmas party in New York City. So that gives us several hours to hit as many traditions as possible. I think the cocaine and the mushrooms are reacting poorly. Are you gonna be cool at this party? Cool as fuck, G. You look insane, only your right eye is working. I'm freaking out about having the baby. I'm supposed to be a rock, but I'm not a rock. How fucked up are you right now? Hallelujah! Not that kind of church. Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch with me, Luke, here in Chicago. And me, Katie, here in Los Angeles. Woo! Katie, great singer. It is Christmas time in the city in Chicago. I'm always uh, astounded by the resilience of Chicagoans or, or anybody uh, able to withstand an Illinois winter with such grace. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you get the occasional, like, tourist you see, like, downtown, like, like covering their face with a scarf, and I'm just like, pussy. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Get used to it. It's just like, yeah. it's painfully cold here. It's like I was riding the train down and like you just see all these people like out on their like apartment porches just smoking cigarettes with like their parkas undone. Like, fuck it. <laughs> Even though it's 20 degrees on a Sunday morning and or Saturday, whatever day it is. And I'm just like, again. Well, you know, when I was there, I was parked up all the time and you and Marissa made fun of me. Uh, yeah. Because I had my big bubble coat and my huge snow boots. I do. I've never and owned my a pair of boots. Industrial strength mittens. Yeah, they don't have they don't have winter out in Portland, Katie. <laughs> they do, but it's rainy. The thing over there is that you're a weenie if you have an umbrella. Yeah, that's true. How's how's winter out in LA? All all Melly Kaliki Maka and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually slightly chilly. Obviously, it isn't Chicago level, but like. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I have to wear a park or not a park. Park. Ooh, I have to wear like a sweater now. I have to wear a light jacket. It's 65 degrees. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> You're on the money. Is it like? It, does it even feel like Christmas? Uh, if it's not like really, because like I've I'm an Illinois boy through and through. I've only lived in Illinois, um, uh-huh. so I Christmas is fundamentally uh, tied to you know shit weather. Um, but like, it's like, like all things, it's like a Stockholm syndrome, like being, being an Illinoisan, uh, is like Stockholm syndrome, like, especially in the winter. Cause like, even though the, the, the cold is like horrible and painful and like abusing me, I've, uh, I've grown, <laughs> I've grown to love my abuser. Um, yeah, yeah it's not, you know, but that's how I feel. <laughs> so it can only be Christmas if you're in pain. A little bit. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Like, why should you get to have Christmas and nice weather? Like, come on, man. Life is life is suffering. <laughs> but you know, it's just a sense of pride, just a sense you of camaraderie. Me in the spirit. What's that? Is the light. We're gonna oh. go to this place called Candy Cane Lane tonight. Fuck yes. And it's gonna be. It's like you know that 
bit in the Grinch, the Jim Carrey Grinch. Yeah. When there's like all those crazy houses with the lights. Of course. There's like a whole stream of them, and we're going to drive by them and have ourselves a merry time. Oh, if there's one thing I love, it's exterior illumination. <laughs> don't get me started and interior for that matter I, i'm loving i i think like i'm i'm love like me and uh, me and my lady taylor uh after last mm-hmm. week after we recorded the episode we went to this like pop-up that is just like so absurdly decorated inside that it's like overwhelming and you could look like at once like you could like literally shift your eyes like a, a, like an inch to the left and like see completely different like wealth of decorations and you could do that for hours and like never see something that you've seen before. Like, so it's, oh, dude, that's nuts. it was nuts. It was a little overwhelming, um, but very fun. And like, you know, we have cool stuff here. We have like the Chris Kindle market, which I went in the pouring rain and it was kind of shitty, but you know, <laughs> but you know, well, you know what else gets me in the Christmas spirit? What is that? Bad Christmas movies. Oh, oh boy. I've been thinking about them so much. Uh, Raising Cane's, uh, the, the chicken tender aficionados, uh, have, have a, uh, have a restaurant up in Rogers Park where I live. And for, I don't know how, but they have like the licensing for the Rankin Bass classic Frosty the Snowman. And so like their cups and like their kids meal bags and stuff are like Frosty the Snowman. And I'm like, Oh, oh man, that's one way to get me to one. eat some tenders. Yeah, like no shit. Um, and then I got to thinking. <laughs> I was like, did Frosty commit assisted suicide with Karen inside that greenhouse? Because um, like, come on, man. I know you're trying to be a nice guy here, but you know you're gonna melt into a fucking puddle, scarring this girl for life, and uh, just just things I think about. <laughs> But I'm gonna have to rewatch that now that I have such a dark perspective eh, on it. Just something to think about, and then you know, whatever. Santa's nice in that one, though. It's not like Rudolph where he's a prick. Everybody hates Rudolph yeah, this no, year. Yeah, he's the absolute worst in Rudolph. All the elf wanted to do was be a dentist. I mean, goddamn. Yeah, I mean, like Jesus Christ. I want. I wish I could be a dentist. I wouldn't have these fucking sloth teeth like I do right now. Damn. Um, so what are we talking about this week, Katie? Let's get the We're show started. About a different Christmas movie. Yeah. More of a modern classic. Yeah. And it's by the name of The Night Before. Innocuous enough name, but also clever mm-hmm. in, in its Christmas-ness. Um, and on Bad Movie Brunch this week, we're deciding to like maybe kick it off with something a little different, kind of similar to what we do already, but a little different. Let's repackage it. It's the uh, five-sentence review. Uh, so, Tom, let me get some theme mu- music in here. Five-sentence review. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. All right. So I've got a I've got a five sentence review here of the movie. Would you do you want to go first? You want me to go first? How should we do it? Uh, you go first. Kind of quick. Uh, five sentences, just like the uh, stipulations uh, request. Um, so I wrote: Jonathan Levine reunites with the stars of his cancer dramedy Fifty Fifty with a Yuletide bromance for the ages. Add a dash of Anthony Mackie for good measure. Put on a holiday sweater and grab a cup of cheer as these three friends reunite for one last Christmas Eve together before moving onward into adulthood. The evening is jam-packed with twists, turns, wacky side characters, and an excess of drugs. However, there are a few decisions made in the plot that sacrifice a potential timelessness in exchange for an easy laugh or two in the moment. Overall, this is a hilarious studio comedy that maintains consistent laughs and fantastic chemistry amongst its star-studded cast. Luke Taylor, Entertainment Weekly. Luke, that was so eloquent. Oh, thank you. 
Like, you're a goddamn writer, man. I have a bachelor's degree in English literature. <laughs> uh, so, just something to consider. Western Illinois, go Leathernecks! Very true. Go next. I did not put that much effort into it. I oh. thought it was supposed to be, like, a quick, like, telling your buddy what you think about it, it can, on an elevator kind of thing. It can be anything you want it to be. If it makes you feel any better, I wrote that in, like, two minutes, like, right before we started. Oh, my God, that makes it feel worse. Oh, okay, well... That was beautiful. Well, I had put a lot of thought... I like the movie, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, well, I... Mine, which was more half-baked, I have a riff on A Christmas Carol, which... Which, uh, with each of the characters representing past, present, and future, mm. shows familiar pains of trying to maintain friendships going into your 30s. Nutcracker Ball looks like the most fun anyone's ever had. Yep. Not able to deliver heart, shallow, and forgettable. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's again, that's perfect. It can be whatever you want it to be. It's five senses. It is a review, and More it like. like a tweet. Well, I mean, dude, Twitter a, is Twitter is the series of tweets. Twitter's the journalism of today. Um, oh no! It's true. It's true. Like uh, eventually, there will only be Twitter. I mean, the fact that we have the fact that we even have like newspapers and magazines is not a formality at this point. Like, it's like you know, you don't want <laughs> your grandma gets you a, a shitty present, and you don't want to make them feel bad, so you're just like, oh, thanks, grandma, and then you like throw the newspaper away, or you know, <laughs> whatever. They're they're cat they're cat litter linings at best at this point. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm like surrounded by journalists. I should shut my mouth. Sorry, Tom. Um, regardless, yeah, I, I, I mm -hmm. you, you kind of blew my mind because, like, while this plot has, you know, blatantly peppers in the whole Christmas Carol idea in a very uh, stonery way, uh, which I fucking mm -hmm. love, I never thought about the characters themselves specifically representing it, even though it is right there in the plot. I never, I like this movie. It does have layers and it has Christmassy layers, and it 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 hits it hits the beats that you need it to hit. Um, to land itself in the Christmas category. But like we both are kind of saying, uh, it sounds like at the tail end of our reviews, it's like, yes, this is good. It is Christmassy. You can check the boxes. Um, enjoyable for sure. But there are things that happen in this movie that I, I truly think that I wish didn't because it for me, the whole idea of having Miley Cyrus in this movie, which we'll get to it, Miley Cyrus, and there's a there's a there's an array of side characters that rock like they do they do an amazing job but specifically miley cyrus and a few other gags it sort of takes a movie that otherwise could have like taken the leap and been like maybe like a christmas vacation or something where it lasts the mm -hmm. test of time and like it's on you know tv in december like every 20 minutes um and unfortunately it kind of cements itself uh firmly in 2016 which isn't really a year you want to be like firmly set in in my opinion um and it, what's weird is like the Miley Cyrus stuff in the movie with like with Wrecking Ball and stuff was like already a late joke when this movie came out. Uh, That's true. Like that that had already like come and passed like a year or two before the movie, and like it's even like mentioned like oh you guys still like that song? It's like everyone does, and it feels like this weird build up to like pay off with Miley Cyrus being in this movie. Uh, which really isn't that big of a deal. So I feel like I'm already talking about it a lot, but like that just sore thumb. It's like a sore thumb to me. I'm like. Uh, why? Why is it here? Why does the second the second half, or like the back half, or like even the third act of this movie, uh, devolve into something so much less promising than than the first half? Um, and that's mm -hmm. how it feels for me. What about you? 
Yeah, I think that the first half really sets up something strong. And although I do think that the Nutcracker Ball, again, looks like the most fun that oh, anyone's ever had. Fuck yeah. And you're able to resolve JGL's art in what I think is a very realistic way with him trying to propose to this girl and getting rejected because he's a crazy person. He really is. And But eventually coming to terms with the fact that what he really just needed to do was to do what she asked and to meet her on her level and meet her parents. Yeah. Cl- and, uh, to do some big grand gesture. A tale as old as time. I think that's good, but I do think that, like, I didn't really care about Anthony Mackie's storyline. No, it no. It felt like it was the least fleshed out. For sure. And it's even not... though I like the Seth Rogen drug shenanigans. Love it. And how he was dealing with fear of being a father. Like, that didn't feel... Like, there's no heart to this movie, even though the crux of it is really these three friends do the same thing every year and are trying to maintain this friendship. Yeah, it's so close, too. Like, it's on the cusp of being heartfelt. Like, the intro mm-hmm. with... Uh, with uh... Tracy Morgan like narrating it like like an old like Christmas tale and like showing the background like here let's lay out our three characters here's J- Joseph Gordon okay. Le- here's Joseph Gordon Levitt he is a crazy person but for good reason years ago on Christmas Eve his parents were killed by a drunk driver so his best friends mm-hmm. since uh, since school um, Seth Rogen Isaac and Anthony Mackie which I believe is Chris. Um, mm-hmm. uh, decide and that JGL is Ethan. and JGL is Ethan. They decide that, you know what? Christmas Eve is now going to be the night that, uh, you know, we can't let our boy like be sad about this every year. This is gonna be the night where we go out and we just get fucking wild and mess shit up and go crazy. And like, this is our yearly tradition and we're all friends. And it's the classic tale of like, when do we accept adulthood? When do we become the grownups that we're supposed to be societally or for the betterment of our own lives or whatever? Seth Rogen's doing it, unfortunately, in like a half-hearted rehash of Knocked Up, wouldn't you say? Like, it's almost, mm-hmm. like, it's crazy typecasting. Like, um, in terms of like, it's almost the same story as Knocked Up, but lacking the heart that Knocked Up had because Knocked Up, the, was that was the whole point of the movie. Uh, yeah. Anthony Mackie is like now a famous football player, but he's like, 33 and just now having a good season which i assume is in the nfl which doesn't really it just feels false it's it's so it doesn't feel as as an avid football watcher it doesn't feel real and it's like oh he's taking steroids yeah when he's like like, yeah sure i mean i'm sure like half the nfl is taking steroids like probably or some sort of supplement but it's like i don't think you steroid up and become a all-star wide receiver at 33 i just don't think it happens um, and they're not subtle in the way they try to attack that storyline. It's not nuanced. And it's just like, I just, I have trouble believing that one. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, has every reason to be unbalanced. He has every reason to be, you know, maladjusted. Um, you know, losing your parents at any age, especially together, especially to an accident, you know, it's like, that's enough to fuck up any guy. That's enough to give anybody, uh, you know, a stunted perspective and commitment issues and yada, yada. It's actually like... His story is so much more complex than the other two's, and the sacrifice mm-hmm. is we don't really get to unpack any of them. Yeah. But that's kind of like, that's kind of just like where they set us up. And all that seems pretty good. All the background, like all their like past Christmases look really fun. But this is the one that's like, yo, this is our last one. Like Seth Rogen and Anthony Mackie are like, we're growing up. We don't want to do this anymore. We're like kids trick or treating, like, but they're too old. Uh, and JGL is like 
you know, in his mid thirties as well and really having a hard time moving on with life and really having a hard time, uh, in love as well. Um, because oh, really quick, yeah. I wanted to ask you something from a story perspective. Yes. Do you think it was smart of them to go right out of the gate with this being the last Christmas or do you think they should have come to that conclusion at the end of the film? Dude, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Like, if we could, I don't know. Yes, that'd be great. And I also don't think it has to be something as heavy as like, why does it have to be JGL's parents dying? Like, why does he have to get killed? In the, why do they have to get killed in a drunk driver accident to like set up this plot? I don't feel like that's something you need to come out of the gate with. It doesn't. I mean, yeah, it makes us feel bad, I guess, but like, or for the characters and stuff. And but it doesn't really. It's not. It's not something I need. What about you? Do you think it's excessive? No, I think it works because I think you need to justify why this happens every year sure. and why JGL is so messed up. Okay. So I do think there has to be something major that okay. he's hurting from. Sure. Some kind of trauma. Fair enough. But it just doesn't like fit the the tone of the rest of the movie, I feel like. It just like... That's the only thing is I, 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 yeah, I, they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. They're like, Oh, this is like a real bummer. But then, all, then, but then like the rest of the movie is so not serious. Um, mm. and the stakes stay so like, you know, humorously low. I just feel like they're, it, it, it's just an unbalanced movie, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. It's just something I've been thinking about. Well, now that we've said that, why don't you bring us into the, uh, Oh, you were going to talk about his love life. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that inciting incident. Oh, for sure. Okay, so this movie is really funny, and I want to say that consistently because it is so funny um, in terms of, like, if you watch this movie scene by scene, awesome. Like, judging it as a whole thing, different story, but I feel like, and I've said this plenty of times throughout the history of Bad Movie Brunch, that making a good studio comedy, in my opinion, uh, is a challenge because you're having to, you know, please a studio. And this movie kind of does the thing that's difficult to do where it's pretty consistently funny throughout and that's be due in large part to having great chemistry from uh the three main leads especially you know rogan and jgl who have worked together on 50 50 um mm -hmm. all that sort of thing there's a, there is a warmth among them even though the movie uh does lack in heart uh often um and you know i uh completely lost my train of thought so I'm going to uh, <laughs> to talk about the inciting incident. So, okay, JGL in his life is working as a as a as a holiday as an elf at like the mall or something, <laughs> and it's really fucking funny because like, he, like it's a hotel. Like, it's a hotel. Like a, a, just a dude that throws own birds. Yeah, elf. Yeah, elf face. Right, and fucking, what's the actor's name from Fresh Off the Boat and the interview and like everything? Randall Park. I think. Randall Park. Yeah, I was gonna say Ray Park, but I think that's Darth Maul. Um, Randall Park. Yeah, the dude's fucking hilarious. He's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing, elf? How old are you?" And he's like, "33, 33, and you're an elf, and you don't even know how to be an elf. Show me your elf face." <laughs> and he's like, "No, it's more than that, though. It's 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 whimsical, but 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 determined." Determined. But de <laughs> all right, now I'm gonna put you on coat check. This is your last chance, and I want to see that elf face the entire time. <laughs> Fucking so he's doing coat check, and uh, he finds the tickets uh, to a little place called the Nutcracker Ball. This is a place, the elusive white whale, the party that has eluded this group in the history of their Christmas Eve outings. It's 
you know, known through lore as the ultimate, the ultimate, ultimate party. And JGL stumbles upon some tickets inside a very rich person's coat. And he's like, fuck yeah, I'm in. Calls the number and it's like, <laughs> uh, find for the nutcracker ball. And it's like, you will learn valuable lessons. There will be Christmas cheer. You will probably get laid. <laughs> like stuff like that <laughs> shit's so funny um and it's like hey guess what friends time to unite for our one last time and i've got tickets to the nutcracker ball what up bitch and uh you know the night's on the way um i don't necessarily want to go through like beat by beat with the plot just because i feel like sometimes that gets um a little uh stagnant and i also unlike i'll be home for christmas well you know what have it has anybody seen this movie like this is something we've talked about katie like what is this on Rotten Tomatoes? 66%. Which is fresh. It's a fresh movie. It's a fresh movie. However, did you see this movie in theater? You did. I did, actually. I saw it by myself. Yeah, exactly. What, no. <laughs> Was there anybody in the theater when you saw it? I think maybe there were like four people. Because I missed it in theater, and it's the it's the horrible it's the horrible thing that happens, and I understand it from a marketing standpoint, but they always release Christmas movies like the first week of November, and mm-hmm. I'm an old fashioned like mf'er and want to wait till after Thanksgiving to watch my Christmas flick. And I feel like by the time mm-hmm. I got there, uh, that was like our first year at DePaul. Um, that was already gone. Like I didn't even have the chance. And I don't, I don't know what the box office hall was, but it, it couldn't have been uh, huge. I mean, it def- I don't think so. But I do think because I, when I was googling this movie, it does seem like they replay it. Now it is in. The official Christmas rotation. Okay, that's good. That's good. And I want it to be. Because, um, again, I do super like it. I just, like, analytically, mm-hmm. critically, I have to I have to take it on with a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge for the bad movie Brunch Faithful. Um, yeah, match. But I, I, I totally missed it, and I think a lot of people did. Uh, and why do you think, why do you think that is? I think it's because we were getting an influx of Seth Rogen movies. True. And they all kind of blended together. True. And like you said, some people just don't want to see Christmas movies before Thanksgiving. No, I don't. I really don't. I almost miss Grinch because of it. No, I had to give in and watch Grinch uh, a week early this year just because I want to make sure Scotty Mosier got my money. Um, yeah. And that movie's a delight, by the way. Um but yeah, it's it's a weird thing. And so like this is a movie like maybe our highest rated, but I just feel like I think so, it just might be. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Jonathan Levine. Uh The Wackness is one of oh, my yeah, yeah movie. one of my favorite movies. Uh my good our our good pal and confidant Marissa Lessman showed me that years ago. Uh and it's had a massive influence on my taste, flavor, uh writing abilities my palate uh my tongue (laughs) uh my taste buds um my brain well okay if we're not going to go through the movie beat by beat there's something that i really want to talk about is it mr green it is mr Green. yay okay so (laughs) it can the movie can be summed and we can we can hit it as we go but the movie can be summed up as you know, these guys making their way through the night and like, you know, wacky shits happening uh, here and there. And I, I definitely want to do it. I kind of want to attack it in a different way because this is a movie where the um, 
the uh, the quest, the the real the, the the funny part of the story is all the side stories, and that is consistently uh, happening with side characters. And I have a whole side character section where we can break them down character by character, and that kind of tells the plot. Okay. Um, but Mister Green is by far the most important of all. Um, holy shit! So Michael Shannon is the side character in this movie. Uh, like the side character in this movie. So there comes a point where um, the guys are out on out on the town. Anthony Mackie's got this stretch Red Bull Hummer with Nathan for you as his driver, because um, <laughs> his social media game is crazy. Uh, JGL is like already crazy. got a <laughs> already got a buzz on, and Seth Rogen, future father, has been given a box full of drugs from his uh, uh, his wife, his pregnant wife. Uh, Jillian Bell from Workaholics. Um, and that's where they kind of have us. However, they need some weed and the proportions of the drug box are all off because Seth Rogen only has one joint in there. So they call up their high school drug dealer, Mr. Green. He will only meet them at places he's met them before because he's a drug dealer. So they have to meet him outside their old high school, uh, class of 98. And uh, take the reins, Katie. What happens when Mr. Green shows up? So Mr. Green is the weirdest character. Oh, he's so good. So he drives this very old, beat-up car, and he has a very monotone delivery. He's very chill and very good weird evening. and kind of religious. <laughs> he's, he is really, so, he's very religious. Yeah. So Anthony Mackie goes in to get the weed, and he's gifted the weed of Christmas present. The weed and, of Christmas uh, present. The only thing that happens is that the lights kind of glow for a moment and there's a bell and then he gets out and he's like let your friend Isaac know I'll see him later <laughs> and the second time he pops up Isaac goes to buy the weed because they lose their weed due to shenanigans That's so funny. and when Isaac gets there he gets a glimpse of Christmas future and it's a nightmare vision of his baby girl growing up to be a stripper so that freaks him out and the third time that he appears, it turns. Oh, and in the first time, he says that you should come over. I'm throwing a party, but he's a like a very a weird drug dealer guy. And obviously, you don't want to go to a party with a really weird drug dealer guy. Yes, you do. Flash to the third part, <laughs> and it turns out that he's the one throwing the nutcracker ball and has been this whole time. <laughs> Mr. Green. And he meets up with JGL, who, of course, his thing is Fuck. his fear of the past with his parents. God damn. So he gets a glimpse of how his friends have helped him over the years. So you have Christmas weed present, Christmas weed past worries about the daughter and Christmas or excuse me, Christmas future worries about the daughter and Christmas past uh, trauma over the parents and realization that the friends were there the whole time. Pretty goddamn genius. So like it's a good way to split up the It's movie. really smart. And like that's the thing is like I I watch this movie constantly during the holidays because this movie has sort of taken over the uh, a place that um used to be held by a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. Um mm. which oh, I which I also it is and I love it, but I also felt like there were things in that movie that were way more controversial than things in this movie and I didn't really want to like publicly defend it to be honest because oh, you know what i mean uh yeah it's a i just think it like harold and kumar is like the far more controversial version of this movie um but 
it, 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 the stoner, the stoner comedy, love it. The Christmas movie, love it. And these two merge gaps and give you an adult holiday movie, which I fucking adore. And I love the fact that, like you pointed out, it's very Christmas Carol, which is genius. But having Michael Shannon be this like weird, like creepy, like drug dealer is so <laughs> goddamn genius. And every interaction is the highlight of the movie every time. Like that first time he gets in and he's like Anthony Mackie's talking about getting weed for the quarterback of his football team, and they call him, uh, they call him the Messiah, and he's like, well. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, there's uh there's only one Messiah, okay, Jesus Christ. So that name's pretty blasphemous. And just like <laughs> like <laughs> shit like that. And uh he goes uh I also yeah. love how when he's like not gonna go to the party, he's like, That's okay, my feelings aren't hurt that much. <laughs> That's okay, my feelings aren't hurt, not really. Fuck it. <laughs> he goes, The weed of Christmas present and he's like, Well <laughs> wait a minute. By by that logic, isn't all weed the weed of Christmas present? Only on Christmas, Christmas. kid. (laughs) Tell Isaac I'll see him in a couple hours. What? Tell Isaac I'll see him in a couple hours. (laughs) And And it's so good because at the end, when like everything's kind of resolved itself and he's like, I finally earned these. And then he flies away on angel wings. Uh, As an angel. (laughs) Which, which like fucks me up even more because then I'm to understand that that man has been an angel on earth selling him weed since they were children. And like... They were like they like were they the magic trio that he had to like unite to in order to get his uh, wings and like be a true angel in heaven, or could it have been any variety of kids he's been selling weed to for the duration of his uh, life on Earth, and they just happen to be the ones that click? I why wasn't this movie written from that perspective? Because like no like they could have taken. Okay, the, you want to talk about weirdness in this movie? Let's talk about that end scene. Oh please please please. Okay, so. So Tracy Morgan has been narrating this whole movie. Yep. And at the very end, it's revealed that he's Santa Claus. And to that end, you're like, okay, sure, I'll buy that. I like Black Santa. But then you pan out, and it's a whole bunch of elves watching Tracy Morgan tell the story. And then you see Michael Shannon sitting with them. And he says, way to go, son. And Michael Shannon goes, thank you, Pops. Yeah. So are we to believe that Santa Claus is able to sire Christmas angels? Yes, I I believe that. I think okay. that I think that's in the catechism, isn't it? <laughs> uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I haven't read it in a while. No, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe we're the assholes, and the whole point of this episode. It, it, maybe maybe worse. Maybe like maybe the point. Maybe the point of this movie was to fuck with people, and like they never thought anybody would read into it as much as we are. So like. Maybe we're giving Jonathan Levine his wings, and uh, I don't know. He's he's earned these CGI wings now. And I gotta say, I'm obsessed with the three, like, the instances of Mr. Green, and that's, like, warrants most of our talking, I feel like. Because, like, the second one, Mm -hmm. when it's Seth Rogen and it's the the ghost of Christmas future, the weed of Christmas future... Mm -hmm. And, like, he's in the strip club with his wife, and, like, it's his daughter stripping. That shit is so (laughs) funny, and Jillian Bell... Like, she does a thing in this movie where she's always really funny. She's really, really, really funny in Workaholics. She's funny when she pops up in other stuff. I think she was, she might have been in, like, Rough Night or some other shit. Uh, she was mm-hmm. in Fist Fight. She's coming along. She's always funny. But she does, like, she plays, like, subtle in this movie. And then the fact that she's so subtle and stone-faced in her humor, it just, like, crushes me way harder. Because she's like, look, it's our, it's our little girl up there. And, like, she's, she's like, yeah, baby. She goes, pop that pee. And she goes, sweet, sweetie, pop your pussy. <laughs> like, 
That shit is so fucked up. But it's like so genius that like I am not one when I sit and watch movies by myself when I'm just hanging out. I feel like I so rarely laugh out loud. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. Like I feel like if I'm in like like if it's a group setting and I'm in a theater and something's funny, I'm more inclined to laugh. But I'm when I'm alone, I don't. Uh, I don't usually laugh out loud at things. But without fail, anytime I put this movie in, which is consistently uh, in the holiday season, when she says, mm-hmm. when she says, "Sweetie, pop your pussy." I fucking, I fucking die. I die, dude. I think it's so funny. And I just like think that so much of the humor comes from the amazing casting in this movie because you put these people together, people like Seth Rogen, who everybody knows is a goddamn genius, who like Kevin Smith has talked about at length about like when they're on Zack and Mary and and Seth Rogen, he said, gives you four different movies and you just get to choose what you like. Like the dude can just improv on the spot and stuff. And, um, like just so much of it comes from like those little things and, and, and everybody's holding their own. JGL is really funny and stuff. Uh, and, and Seth Rogen's also giving like a masterclass performance on how to be on drugs humorously, like, because it's coming from somebody who has done those drugs. Like Seth Rogen's done drugs. And like, so he knows how to act, but like also ramp it up to be hilarious. Far more enjoyable, I must say, watching somebody do an excess of drugs on the night before than uh, I saw Beautiful Boy this week. That wasn't as fun. I got to be honest. I can't imagine it No, I got to be honest. It wasn't as fun. Um, I will say I watched Beautiful Boy and I was like, I'd try heroin, but I don't think... I don't think that was the the moral they wanted me to walk out with. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't try it. Well, no, I wouldn't. Um, probably. Well, no, I wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> don't do that to me, man. The lights looked really pretty when Timothy Chalamet was walking around. Uh, no, regard. I wouldn't. Um, well, but anyways, uh, <laughs> no, it looked it looked really fun on the night before, but it also looked like scary. Um, yeah. Whereas. Beautiful boy. It was more like, oh, this is bad. Everybody's crying a lot. Um, also, did you see that movie? Not yet. It's pretty bad. List. I wouldn't. Because it's a bummer. No, it's just not very good. Like, I mean, it is a bummer. Really? Yeah, no, it is a bummer, but it's also just not very good. Like, I was really it's disappointed. Charlemagne is like the second coming of well, young actors. Yeah, he is. He is the. He is definitely the crowning jewel on the uh, golden crown that is oatmeal-faced white guys that everybody loves. Um, <laughs> him, Taron Edgerton, uh, Tom Holland, Asia Butterfield. Um, oh, my God. I never thought about yeah. it. Like oh, that. yeah. Oh, everybody loves them. Brilliant. Give them a little trophy that says that. Because they can see themselves in that person. You know what I mean? Because they're just, they're just plain canvases. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, back to the fun back drugs. Movie. Yeah, back to the fun drugs. Let's not go down that road. I, for the record, if my parents listen, I, I'm not going to do heroin. Uh, well, anyways. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> uh, um, anyways, and then the third one with Mr. Green is with uh, uh, JGL. And that one is like, I'd say, again, like we talk about heartfelt, probably the most heartfelt one. Um and I, I just think that's a genius plot device. I really do. I, I think that that's really good. It's the stuff. It's the it's the stuff that like um, it's the screenplay beats that feel like quote unquote necessary, even though they're not. Is the thing that drags this movie down. The love story uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Lizzie Kaplan's character. They've had a failed romance, and it's been down for years. And I guess tonight's tonight. It gets sparked. I mean, do you feel in any way compelled to that love story? I don't. Uh, 
not necessarily. I do like that she didn't totally fall for his proposal, but I also didn't feel like we super needed it. I think that it was supposed to show how his parents' death has created more trauma aside from just him not being able to continue with his work. Okay. His career. Okay. So his personal life is hindered because he can't create a new family because he's still holding on to the old family. Additionally, meeting her parents feels like it would displace his own. Oh, that's good. So Dude, you're the best. In that sense, I understand it. You're the best. But I didn't feel particularly emotionally tied to it. No, and I'm like, it just, it felt intrusive. I don't know why, like, this movie, like, sets out as a bromance, but then turns into a romance, and it's about the friends, but then we're also worried about JGL's love life, and I think it gets messy there. I would... I would mm-hmm. I would rather it just I don't know why but I would rather it just be like strictly the bromance or strictly the other thing um as opposed to trying to like merge the two cuz then you're left in the middle and it's like which one do I care about um I don't know that, that, that and like I don't hate it and I love Lizzie Kaplan I think that's I'm saying her name right aren't I it is Lizzie Kaplan Yeah yeah Lizzie okay, Kaplan Good just making sure I love her in everything she's she's awesome um I just don't know like like that's that's the part of the movie where it starts to devolve um, and there's lots of that. I think part of the problem is that the female characters feel not super well thought out. Absolutely true. And while Jillian is able to shine in her humor of being deadpan, she is relegated to pregnant wife. Oh, I know. You're right. You're right. Especially at her at her arguably uh, funniest. Um, would be when Seth Rogen shows up all strung out on drugs uh, and like in his Jewish holiday sweater to go to Christmas Eve midnight mass with Jillian and her like family. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like fucking freaking out right there in the church. They're like, who's that? Who's that up on the cross? He's like, that's Jesus. Do they think we did that to him? And she like fucking just like throws up in his mouth and shit. She's like, swallow it. Swallow it like a girl would. <laughs> <laughs> we did not kill Jesus. We didn't. We did not. <laughs> That shit is like fire, but you're right. Like she doesn't get much. Um, Mindy Kaling, who is the one of the most talented people in the industry, doesn't get to do much. Um, uh, Miley Cyrus gets more gets more to do than a lot of people, frankly. Um, and maybe we should touch on that. Should we touch on the on some of the weird side characters in this flick? Yeah. Okay. So here's one. A female character that I think was given a chance to shine was Ilana Glazer yep. as the Grinch. <laughs> Is that her actual name in the movie? I don't think so, but that's how I remember her. Well, you should because, like, yeah, straight up, Ilana Glazer from of Broad City fame, um, who is genius like so funny and everything, so smart, and yeah, she she really shines in this one. Um, also, I love it. She's like straight up like I'm a Grinch, and do you, I didn't notice it until like this year watching it. But that jacket she's wearing when she's first introduced, yeah, it's a Grinch jacket. It is classic, like like Boris Karloff Grinch like looking jacket. It's amazing, and uh, she's she's taking heed, taking taking lessons uh, and paying homage to her favorite Christmas uh, like criminals, right? The Grinch, the Sticky Bandits, Hans Gruber from Die Hard. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and how how do we how do we how was she introduced? Well, she has sex with Chris by pretending to be a fan, and then she steals his weed. 
Hardcore sex. Acrobatic sex. Yeah, really hardcore, really fast, and for three different positions, and then we move on. Yeah. And then she is tracked down again, and he's like, give me back my weed, and she kind of, like, you have people that care about you, and you're to impress a football star? Like, forget you, man, and then she falls into a bin of trash. <laughs> she does, like... Off of many stories. So she grinches him, and then when they're chasing after her, she home alones them by throwing like the ornaments and marbles, yeah, and they she trip. Home alone them. Yeah, she home alones them, and then she Hans Gruber from Die Hard's them and jumps off the building like backwards or whatever, but like doesn't die. So she crushes. She's hilarious throughout. Oh um, yeah, she's great. And I I love I love her. To, like I'm saying, like the side characters are so, like get to shine so much. Um, Mr. Green goes without saying. He's more of like the main character in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan, Nathan for you, Nathan Felder, Fielder, I don't know which, uh, is the, uh, is the driver, <laughs> is like the driver of like the stretch Red Bull Hummer. And that dude is so funny. Like that man is like the king of one liners in this movie. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> he just says shit constantly. Like, um, when Lana steals, uh, Chris's weed and like they're chasing after her and stuff, he dives in the car and he's like, go after that girl. She took my weed. And he goes, she took your weed, that fucking bitch, I'm going to kill her. And just like throws it in a drive <laughs> <laughs> and like shit like that. Or he's like, um, he's like, Hey, um, great video, by the way, I just watched it on my phone and like stuff like that. Or, uh, there's one more, God damn it. There was one more that really kills me. He's like, uh, he's like, Oh, you should definitely get back with her, bro. Diana's my mom's name. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> super stupid shit like that. Uh, so he, he kills me. Did, did, did you get a kick out of Nathan? I did get a kick out of Nathan. One of the more bizarre ones was the Mindy Kaling James Franco reveal. Yes. So, yes. And that's another thing, um, along with Miley Cyrus, that I thought maybe set this movie in a very specific time and place. Because, like, James yeah. Franco is not really, like... If you're building up to something, it was really funny in 2016. Let's just say that. So, like, Seth Rogen's tripping out on drugs. He accidentally has Mindy Kaling's phone. And he doesn't realize that because he's on drugs. And he gets a picture of a massive dick. Uh, and he's like, whoa. Like, like, and he's like, do you like it? And he's like, yeah, who wouldn't want a dick like that? Dope dick, homie. And he's like, do you want to suck it? And he's like, maybe the best line of the film. He's like, I've never sucked any dick. No, dude, my favorite is like two lines later when like, if you read it that way, the way it's written, you can literally tell it's James Franco. Like it's meant to be. It's like, you say you've never sucked a dick, but you will suck dick tonight or something like that. (laughs) And uh, it's just like a mass, like just a massive like dick, dick pic. And uh, it's like from a man named James on Mindy Kaling's phone. And then at the Nutcracker Ball, it ends up being James Franco. Yay. Uh, and you know what? Pre-disaster artists, everybody loves it. But uh, <laughs> everything after that, I don't know. Um, but it was like funny, and it works. And of course, like Seth Rogen gets to have like this dick pic exchange with his his bro pal Franco and stuff. Um, but it's just like how well how well does that bit age to you? I don't know. Like it doesn't bother me, but I think in the in terms of like society, I don't think anybody wants to like think about James Franco sexting anybody right now. Um, no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's a fine beat. (laughs) Uh, the other one I have is, uh, uh, we talked about Randall Park, the elf wrangler, which I thought was really funny. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and Miley Cyrus, who I've, I've, I've went around on it and now let's talk about it. Uh, 
So early on in the movie, when we're introduced to uh, Mindy Kaling and Lizzie Kaplan's characters, old friends of the group and uh, former flame of JGL, um, they're like, oh, you guys just missed it because they were singing Christmas and Hollis by uh, Wu-Tang. Or is it DMC? Is it Run DMC? I think it's Run DMC. I think it's DMC. Okay. Uh, it's Run DMC. And, um, Run DMC. Run, Run DMC. Um, <laughs> couple of white people talking about rap music. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, if it was Tom Jones, you'd know it. Uh, that, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they missed them doing that's their harsh, yearly. But you're not wrong. No, it's. I mean, hey, I, you know, Aerosmith. No, I do love him. Yeah, hey, who doesn't? Um, but yeah, they miss. They do their yearly uh, uh, karaoke of Christmas and Hollis, and they're like, "Oh, you just missed us. We uh, uh we did Wrecking Ball." He's like, "Oh, you still like that song?" He's like, "Everybody likes that song. You can run to it. You can." cry to it you can like yada yada um timeless timeless and i'm like all right weird flex but okay uh like why are we mentioning this right now and then miley cyrus ends up being at the uh at the nutcracker ball and not just that but playing an integral part in uh in like the plot and like in in the idea of reuniting jgl with lizzie kaplan how do you feel about that because that's the thing i don't know why that resoundingly that's the thing that irks me most about this plot and i don't dislike miley cyrus i think she's great i think she's talented i just don't want it in this movie um can you kind of unpack it a little well i think that Forcing a celebrity cameo into a film, especially a pop star, really dates a movie. That's what I'm saying. Especially when you're holding on to a particular song of theirs, which was another error that I think that they made in the interview. Oh, with for sure. Fireworks. For sure. And I just think that it's, it's, she can't really act. No. And it would have felt more natural if it was some kind of different, like a made-up celebrity. That would have been pretty good, especially because like all the celebrity cameos in the movie are really funny as other people. Um, and like mm-hmm. they work just fine. And it like, so that one's like another thing that like sticks out. Like, why does this one have to be this one? And that's, and like, that's like, we're both saying it just firmly plants the flag that this movie is like, I just don't see it. It God, it's just such like a, a a blemish on this nice face of like a movie I feel like that could be carried through for decades. And it will by me, but I just don't know if the masses are gonna care about this movie in ten years, specifically because of things like that. Um Very which, true. Yeah, and I don't know. Like she ends up like they end up like her and JGL do a duet of sorts, uh to wrecking ball sort of, and like JGL proposes to Lizzie Kaplan, which mm-hmm. is really weird. <laughs> um that's what I'm talking about. Like the second half of this movie is a mystery to me. I remember everything to like the midpoint. And I'm like, hell yeah. And then that's usually when I like fall asleep or something. Um, it's just weird. It's just weird. That being said, I'm, re- I kind of want to go home and watch it again. I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah. um, You'd recommend it. I would. I absolutely would. That's the thing is like, if, if I got to put on my critic hat, if I have to like put on my critic hat, I'll tell you what I think, uh, structurally, but in terms of like my own personal enjoyment, dude, I'll watch a shit Christmas movie and be like, all right. Um, I'll, hey, throw in Sam Elliott's Prancer. I'll give it a watch. Um, but, you know, critically, just there's a few pitfalls in this flick, and that's the whole point of Bad Movie Brunch. It's not great movie brunch. I've said it before. It's Bad mm-hmm. Movie Brunch. And right now it's Holiday Bad Movie Brunch, which is my favorite kind. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would. I would recommend it. What about you? Would you? I would. 
I do think that you have to be in the right mindset to watch it. For sure. Like, you can't watch this with your parents. This isn't like a funny comedy that you can put on when you're all opening Christmas presents. Oh, no. No, no, no. This is either like a you and one of your friends or you and by yourself. And yeah. If you're in like a good mood and want to see some weirdness with Seth Rogen and Michael Shannon. For sure. This is the time. Do you think that it's the modesty of Christmas comedies in the past that helped them carry on uh, the, uh, over the test of time? Like, I think about A Christmas Story. I think about Christmas Vacation, which is National Lampoon. And, like, I think of, like, uh, all that sort of thing. And, like, those are relatively tame. And the jokes they do, even, like, the dirty ones are, like, they feel so wholesome. Like, Christmas Vacation, mm-hmm. it's got, like, the, you know, like, the lady from the store, like, stripping to, like, Meli Kaliki Maka. But it's, like, weirdly, like wholesome like families can watch that or like cousin eddie's like you know drinking beer and like pouring like shit in the sewer but it's like funny and there's like kidnappings and all this crazy shit but like for some reason it just feels like fine and when you set a movie in time like that it 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 it, it, it transcends to like timelessness where oh there's chicago in the 80s and there's chevy chase and like even though you know old weird racist grumpy chevy chase from community this is the chevy chase i'll mm-hmm. always remember at christmas time and stuff and like everybody somehow like saw that and that's a movie that obviously caught traction with a shelf life i think it also uh is has to do with the idea um that movies don't get the chance to thrive on uh physical media anymore the way they have in the past like i don't think christmas vacation was a blockbuster i think people saw it and i think people like our parents generation like really dug it and that's why it's like staying like consistently through the years but like tons of movies now go to theaters they're they're there for like a few months good movies and then they just die like tomorrowland is one of those where nobody saw it and but the people that saw it did enjoy it it just didn't make any money uh this movie is good but people didn't really see it and i don't think it's gonna like i hope i'm wrong but i don't think it's gonna like carry on that far into the future um i i i think it's a you know harold and kumar christmas i love it i love it to death um but already I'm starting to see like, ooh, I don't know what people are going to think about this in five years, ten years. Um, it's a it's a part of our, our, our culture is at a sensitive time right now. And that's not a bad thing, but it makes it more important to strive harder to make movies that will stand the test of time that we can enjoy for decades to come instead of making your art like those newspapers I talked about where they just get thrown away after yeah. a day. It. It is interesting to think about erring on the side of caution to make your movie, your Christmas movie specifically, right. help become more timeless. Yeah. With that said, something I think about every year when I watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, the penis yeah. one, yeah. is that you couldn't make a movie today, or a successful one, that airs that much on religion. Oh boy, does it. And Linus has a whole monologue about how the real meaning of Christmas is Jesus. Yeah, he's a Christian boy, and, and people love it. it. It's a hard sell now. It's a classic. But it's still a very beloved classic, and it continues to have relevance. Well, and we're in an era where, like, the some of the Christmas classics that were formerly regarded timeless are, like, falling out of favor. Um, every, mm. Everybody hates Rudolph this year. Uh, and like in years past, and for good reason. What? Oh yeah, have you not heard about the Rudolph backlash? Uh, what? Oh, there's mass Google. 
like Google it, man. Everybody is like backlashing uh, against Rudolph because Santa's a dick and the dad rein- yeah, reindeer. Yeah, he's always been a dick. Yeah, but the, like the dad reindeer is going out to find Rudolph and he says, "No, this is man's work," and like all this uh, other stuff. And it's like, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha, you, but it's just Rudolph. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, all the Rankin and Bass classics are starting to like get pit folly, which is you know, age. yeah. yeah. It's just, that's what happens when, you know, you make movies in the 60s and 70s. It's just, time's going to change. Time marches on. Time marches on. And those are movies that are set in time as well, but maybe not. There's no Miley Cyrus in Rudolph, thank God. (laughs) The island of of misfit toys has no wrecking ball. (laughs) It was fun coming back to this with you, man. Yeah. I'm glad we were able to discuss it together. Same. And I really dig it. And I love that we were getting this chance to like have a whole holiday month on here. It really, it really makes the, uh, makes the Yuletide gay as it, sure it does. as it were. It already um, is in my household. Extra credit. I watched a movie this week that I somehow missed for 12 years and always meant to watch it, uh, and really enjoyed what I saw, but I didn't finish it yet. Uh, but it's holiday. Have you seen unaccompanied minors? I haven't. Dude, I started watching it and it seems up your alley really hard because it's a total like kid it's a total like, you know, young teens like kid movie. Um mm-hmm. but it's really cool and it's like just these kids like in an airport snowed in and Paul Feig directed it. Um so I I, I say Sweet. give it yeah, I say give it a shot. I, I think it's gonna be a delight to you. Um other Thanks, man. other extra credit, uh, aside from oh. uh Beautiful Boy, which is very bad. Uh, that I saw this week. I also saw Robin Hood, uh, which is very bad. Um, that being said, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Monsieur Hood, da 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 da. I steal from the rich and give to the needy. He takes a wee percentage, but I'm not greedy. Oh, uh, I've been singing that. Oh God, I wish, I wish it was Shrek, but it's not. It's a, it's a very weird. Like, uh, Jake S. Weissman, frequent guest and friend of the show, is telling me that he did some research, and the director and the the, the fashion designer was like, "I want one third authentic, one third the present, and one third the future." <laughs> so there's like Dumb. weird Louis Vuitton outfits and like machine gun arrow bow and arrow things and like weird. Ch- <laughs> it's so bad, but I had a pretty good time. <laughs> um, well, that's the most important thing. Yeah, whatever. Hey, shoot some arrows. I'll I'll watch it. As an avid Green Arrow <laughs> fan, I am. But that's about all I have to say about this holiday flick. And uh, you got anything else? Any final thoughts? Nope. That's it. I came in like a wrecking ball. I never, I never felt so hard in love. love. I don't remember the words here. I had a roommate in college that loved the song, and I don't know if he loved it to like prove a point or if he really loved it. But that being said, I still listen to it quite a bit because of him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's like, "Hey, Luke, I love the song." I'm like, "Chill out. It's fine. It's a good song." No, I'm gonna listen to it again though. Whatever, Brad. Brad Pence, wherever you are. <laughs> But that's all I got. I'm uh, signing off for another week of Bad Movie Brunch. I'm Luke. I've oh, Sorry, that's stupid. I mean, we do this every week. I've been Luke Taylor. I've been Katie Gropsinger. Have a good one, guys. He's got a bag that's filled with toys for boys and girls again.